Hello everyone, welcome to Ubi Est Mia. My name is Brandon Weatherby. This short episode is with actor and comedian Matt Bronger. Matt Bronger is a former Chicagoan, current Los Angeles resident. He'll be back in Chicago on November 19th at Lincoln Hall. Lincoln Hall is a fantastic spot in the Lincoln Park neighborhood. You can see him there. Tickets are currently on sale at mattbronger.com. Without further ado, here's Matt Bronger. You're an interesting case because you actually lived there as a young person and as a medium person. Yeah, well, very young. I mean, I I left, my parents left when I was two. And then I moved back uh, after, uh, right after college, where I, I, I spent my formative years as a comic. Yeah, about six up, years. You came up in a really weird, like, lovely stand-up scene that was not getting any recognition. And now if you turn on your television, it's like people that were your friends from 15, 10 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> you can't escape us. We're everywhere. Yeah. Uh, it, we, it, it was, it's great because, you know, people talk about, oh, what a, uh, what a, what a, a crazy scene I came out of, but it, we didn't really even think of it as a, as a scene. And it, there wasn't really any attention to us because we, we were, we were almost our own audience. Like I remember I would do shows and then if I wasn't doing a show, I would go see one of my friends doing a show, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, Really, the thing that unified us is that we all would do the uh, Lions Den open mic on on Mondays, uh, unfailingly. Uh, I remember they'd um, you had to get there at a certain time and put your name in the in the pot, and then they'd they'd ring a bell. Once they rang the bell, I think they'd ring it once and you could sign up, and then after they rang it a second time, no one else could sign up. And I used to live right off the red line, which also uh, connected to the brown and the purple. And I had to take the brown line to get to the, uh, the Lions Den. And I would every once in a while accidentally take the purple line, which would take me well out of reach. And I would get there late and I wouldn't sign up. And I remember getting on the purple line accidentally and just screaming out loud, like startling everyone around me, like, no, I'm going to miss my sign up. But I think really what, what kind of made us is that we, we, we always wanted to do new stuff every single week, which kind of no one does. Uh, and I think because we had no attention on us at all and didn't really know what we were doing, there was no pressure. So there was this, this amazingly uh, fertile ground for being creative, you know? That place, if memory serves correct, that place burned down. Yes. Uh, they, they moved, uh, the, they, they called it the Lion's Den uh, somewhere else. They moved the, the open mic. But, yeah, I think that bar burned down. Okay. Um, when you were performing in Chicago <laughs> – there weren't nearly as many stand-up clubs. There was an equal amount of improv clubs and sketch clubs like there is now. Do you think that would have yeah, altered yeah. the way you guys performed? Because now people could actually go up and get paid or at least go up and it'd be, quote-unquote, more professional, whatever that means. Right, right. Yeah. Um, well, I just re- I remember every time I did a guest set at Zany's, which was the only club in town, uh, I never did well. Uh, and I, th- I think it's almost because it was such a professional environment. Um, you know, you, I just, I don't know if I'd seize up or what, I just felt like I didn't relate to anyone in the audience. And so we would just play, um, uh, this, uh, you know, we, we would all, we did that thing where we'd start our own shows, you know, in bars. I had one at Hopcats and then I moved it to Quenchers and a couple of the friends had shows and yeah, I think, I think, you know, long, long to, to answer your, your question longest way possible. Uh, yeah, I think it did help us that we only had that one club, like the only person that I knew at the time was actually playing actual comedy clubs, like getting out there and hosting and featuring and eventually stay doing the headlining was John Roy. 
Uh, and I think, I literally think it was because he's the only one of us that owned a car. Like, uh, and, it, and also because he applied himself, you know, but yeah, I mean, it was just this kind of, um, uh, uh, willy nilly environment that we didn't ever, there's no expectation of ever making any money off it, you know? When you moved, were you making any money off of it or did you move, think like with an, with an audition? What, what let, made you leave Chicago? Well, cause I felt like I would, I'd been waiting tables for six years and doing stand up whenever I could, but I, I just felt like I was just on a, like a hamster on a wheel. Like I wasn't going anywhere. And I suppose I could have just started to, uh, you know, uh, get road work and, and stay in Chicago at the same time. But I just, I kind of just needed that, uh, that kick in the ass that um going to a place like LA or, or New York would give me. Uh, I knew I didn't uh, want to spend the rest of my life in Chicago. Uh, I love it, but I just, I just felt, you know, it, it never, it never really felt exactly like home. I got a lot of friends who just, who miss it to death and I do, but I don't miss it to death. And I just, I, I wasn't really making any money. Yeah. I wasn't making any money doing stand up. Really. I was doing, the occasional uh, guest set, and I was doing, I was featuring here and there, but nothing that would really pay the bills. I, I needed something, uh, you know, to kind of get me the attention that would then start me on uh, the route to to headlining clubs. And so I was in LA for about five years, I think, before that started happening. You are from Chicago, then Portland, then Chicago, then LA. Is that correct? Yeah. Well, and in New York for college. Okay. So then you but, formed Bridgetown, which is an incredibly uh, popular comedy festival and, and sort of talked about the same way a lot of people talk about five years ago, seven, ten years ago, Chicago comedy. It's this beloved thing. But you formed it long after you had left. What, what made you want to do that? You know, it kind of came out of initially me not wanting to play the local comedy club in Portland. I, the, the, the owner doesn't really uh, pay uh, the, the comics that much and no one in Portland actually goes there. They kind of just cold call people and give away tickets so they can sell them beer and nachos. And they cold call people to the point where they're like, stop calling me. Uh, I don't want, I don't want free tickets to your club, uh, which says a lot. Uh, so I would basically, I had a friend who who ran, um, who booked bands into small venues and the bands didn't start until 10. And so I, this one venue, I was like, well, could I have the eight o'clock or the 10 o'clock slot? Uh, I'll charge five bucks at the door and I'll stay with my parents and it'll cover my plane ticket home. So I would basically take a loss. I wouldn't make any money like that I could keep, but you know, I got to go home for free. So I would do that. And I met a guy on the, uh, the special thing.com. Uh, it's a, it's a basically a comedy thread that a lot of people go, go on and, and exchange, you know, uh, views and opinions on modern comedy. And, uh, Andy Wood was on there. And he was, he, 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 he asked if I was doing any shows in Portland. I said, yeah. And he asked if he could open for me. And I said, yeah. And so he became just the guy who would kind of open for me. And then one day he and uh, Kimberly Brady, who used to come to all the shows, they, they just asked, you know, what do you think? Do you think we should start a comedy festival? And I was like, that's a great idea. And then it went from there. What you do on stage is a lot different than some of the things that people might know you from. Uh, clearly, Matthew made this a long time ago. But more like what about like the Chelsea yeah. Lately panelist? When I think of or or, or an at midnight person, you you are def to yeah. me you're definitely more in the like indie alt. I'm a smart person. I'm not doing those common denominators on stage. <laughs> and I'm not saying that those shows are. I'm not trying to offend anybody that likes those shows, but they're very different. Um, yeah. 
when, when well, very, people, very, very mainstream and yes. and a little more one note for sure, for sure. Exactly. Do, does that ever worry you if you were the guy that was not so keen about playing the stand-up club that's called cold calling people possibly in the suburbs and playing the mm-hmm. indie rock club before the indie rock band to Chelsea lately? There's sort of a disconnect there. Yeah, well, I mean, I think it's, I mean, I started out as an actor, so I kind of take the roles that come to me. I, I definitely have been offered stuff and said no. Uh, the, I I kind of will do it if it's, you know, if it's entertaining to me and if I think I I feel the, uh, I fit I fit the bill well. Uh, and then at the same time, I'm always writing and pitching stuff that I think I'd be better for. The problem is it's really hard to get stuff made, especially now that you've got, uh, you know, People, movie stars are doing TV, and what that does is that pushes down the people who usually get TV offers, and then that pushes down people like me that audition for all this stuff. So it's it's really hard to get a project off the ground if you don't already have a big name attached to it, no matter how good the, the idea might be. That said, I'm always trying to you know make stuff that is a little bit more um, you know on brand, I should say, with who I am. Uh, but I think it's 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 you got to be careful not to worry about to really worry about being cool, you know, or or being being hip. I've I've seen a lot of comedians kind of fall into that, where they they really want to be. I mean, that, that's like my first album, "Soak Up the Night," was kind of making fun. The cover was making fun of comedians, the com, the bullshit comedian is rock star thing that was kind of popular at the time, where it's just like you're you're still a clown, you're not Mick Jagger. And, and I think uh, you have to, I, I always, you know, I, I kind of wince when I think of comedians who only want to play the really, the really cool hip club. I mean, I, there are so many really old comedy clubs in America that are just amazing. And the reason they're amazing is because they just, they, they book uh, the funniest people, no matter how old they are, you know, or cool. Did it take So, but, but yeah. Did it, did Sorry, it go ahead. a while to realize that? Because what you're saying is blatantly common sense, but as someone that covers this stuff <laughs> or is on stage, it's so rare. There's a handful of guys that are able to, like, walk for uh, – women, sorry, that are able to walk the line, like your Janine Garofalo's or your Bill Burr's or uh, Jim Gaffigan. Uh-huh. kind of people that can play uh, 30 people in an alt room and then, like, a theater the next night and do incredibly well in both. How long did it take you to realize, like, oh, I should just do what I like to do and not care? Boy, it, I think you're kind of always, uh, uh, you know, learn, learning and unlearning that on, like, various, you know, kind of moment, uh, moment to moment, day to day. Uh, but I think, I, I think, you know, about, I don't know, three or four years ago, I kind of just started going, like, what really what's important to me? Like, I, when it comes down to it is, is you know, having a, having a good life um, and being good to people. And doing what I do, which is basically take the take the steam out, you know, like basically let people laugh and and not not worry about their pr- troubles for a little while. But you also, you know, it's like I remember I was talking to uh, Kyle Kinane, who I started out with, and we were talking about when you first get put on those lists, like ten, top ten comics to watch or fifty best comedians out there, and you're like, oh, that's awesome. And then they don't put you on the list next year. You feel like shit, and you're like, why am I letting this thing make me feel like shit? Like you shouldn't worry about being on lists or anything as long as you're happy with what you're doing. You, you can't really let other people define you like, oh, these other guys are getting uh, booked in all these cool festivals or, you know, why am I not on this thing or that thing? And it's just, it's just you'll, you really will drive yourself crazy if you worry about that kind of stuff. And so, yeah, about three or four years ago, I kind of just went, let go of it. And I've just been way happier ever since. 
If you're not too uh, opposed to it, would you mind saying your age? I, I, I say it like pretty much every chance I get because I feel like, you know, ageism is, is definitely a thing, but it's not a thing that men generally have to deal with. Mm-hmm. When I hear like, you know, a guy go like, oh, I don't really like, like to talk about my age. I'm like, come on, man. Like, and, and you know, I, sometimes I don't know how to take it when I tell people, like I was doing, um, I did this, this animated pilot uh, with uh, Ben Schwartz and he's like, well, you're my age, right? And I think he's like 33 or something. I was like, no, I'm 42. And he's like, you're fo- what? <laughs> you know? And it's, it's, when you really think about it, it's a compliment. It's very nice. But at the same time, you kind of go like, Hey, <laughs> like I'm not going to die anytime soon. Be cool. You're aging uh, well. Did you ever smoke or drink? Oh, I, I'm a, I'm a big drinker for sure. Like I, n- not as much as I used to, but it's funny. Like <laughs> my, my girlfriend was, messing with me where I was kind of like, uh, I was like, I was like, Oh yeah, I used to get way more wasted when I was, you know, this age. She's like, well, she's like, you still take it too far. Sometimes you just take it too far, way less. <laughs> <I'm> like, okay. <laughs> like I'll take that as a compliment. But, uh, I stopped. I, I used to smoke, uh, in my twenties and a little bit. I think the last time I smoked was like 2008 or nine or something. That's pretty good. If you went to like your mid thirties and you still look the way you look, that's pretty good. Thanks. Yeah, Thanks. Totally well, I mean, I do, I, I really, I, I exercise pretty regularly. I, I pretty much like every day, but one a week. Um, and it's literally to stay alive, you know, like a, a comedian friend of mine was, I was, I was just in Winnipeg doing shows and Winnipeg's just a fascinatingly unhealthy place. Like they drink a ton and they eat the worst food for you. Uh, but you know, this guy's a little chubby and he's like, so you're like a big health guy. I'm like, no, I'm old, man. Like I have to work out to to live to enjoy the rest of you know like to, to hopefully live at least twice as old as I am now. What's your favorite unhealthy for you, but you still want to eat it every time you're in Chicago food? Oh man, God, that's hard. It's the city of the best unhealthy food. You can give um, me a list. I'm not opposed. Probably a probably a beef like an Italian beef, or a or a combination. Uh, but uh, you know, of course, Luminati's deep dish for sure but that's kind of it's great but it's almost it's basically sleepy food you know like you it's it's great but then at the same time you can can stop yourself from eating it going um i don't want to moan in a corner all day like i'm only here for a weekend if you would like more information on matt bronger go to mattbronger.com or follow him on twitter it's at sign bronger Follow us on Twitter. We're at sign UbiEstmiaPod. We're also on Facebook. Just put in UbiEstmia. You will find us. Our theme song is by Daniel Knox, and our art is by Dmitry Samarov. Uh, we haven't done one of these episodes in a while because I'm busy finishing up a book with Chris Kelly about how Donald Trump and Vince McMahon are essentially the same person. That will come out very, very soon. For more information about that, go to youmethemeverybody.com. Thanks for listening, and have a wonderful night. I'll hunt the places that you've been sleeping